0: Welcome back, rugby fans, to, of course, the Rugby Debate Show. we we'll put ourselves and our guests to the test here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A quick reminder for our fans out there, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar favorites of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And in the absence of Scott Ferraro, we've brought in two others to be able to back this uh, show here, bring in some muscle, both of which have been veterans of the show. I reintroduce to our audience Doug Wilkie from the Arrows Up fan group. And in addition to him, we have Dave Fee. You know him as a part of the USA Rugby outfit, but more recently... We brought him here as our super sub to be able to lend his thoughts on how the PR sevens took place this week, all the merits behind it, all the great energy that has come from this amazing event that launched for the very first time a professional sevens rugby league. Guys, this is an achievement already for the North American rugby fan. And for those of you at home, a quick reminder. How we decide our subjects each and every week is with your help as the rugby fans. So tell us what you want to be able to hear. Tell us what you want to learn about. Tell us what you want us to be able to rant about. But one of those organizations helping us to continue moving forward here on the Rugby Rant is certainly CanIBrands.com. I want to let our fans at home know that this wonderful CBD product is entirely a healthy option that avoids those prescription drugs, those non-habit-forming drugs, way to be able to get a boost, to be able to help mend whatever it may be that is bothering you, look for CanEyeBrands.com as a great alternative to some of those traditional or medicinal ways uh, to be able to mend yourself. I personally love the I Boost. Any fan of the show knows that this is the one that gives me a little bit extra each evening to get through those late night recordings with a bit of caffeine to it. It's a great way to get an extra bit of boost. But if you're looking for that somewhere in the middle of the day, the Can I Fresh oral spray is certainly one of those great ones you want to be able to grab. And again, whether it be the oral spray or the dropper, easy to be able to use wonderful way to be able to get a, a little pick me up in the middle of the day or maybe it's about mending maybe it's about sleep they got all of that available for you at canibrands.com and for our fans listening in go ahead and check them out online use the promo code RANT25 to get an additional 25% off any purchase through their online store and go ahead and dump as much as you can into that basket because when you do you're going to get 25% off the entire lot. And when it's over $49 in one order, you'll also get free shipping anywhere in the continental U.S., uh, of course, wherever they may ship to. So, again, that's Rant25 when you go and check out canibrands.com to get 25% off any of those Can I brands products. So, with that being said, and the bills have been paid, let's turn our attention to, well, the reason we're here, gentlemen, Rugby. And more particularly, we're going to draw our attention to the PR7s. If those of you who are out there are not familiar, what we are talking about, it is recently introduced to the North American rugby landscape and professional sevens rugby league entitled Premier Rugby Sevens, of which took place on October 9th at AutoZone Park in Memphis, Tennessee, the new home to the professional sevens format here in the U.S. And these gentlemen... As you know, each are given two minutes to be able to rant the topic at hand, choosing whatever they like about rugby sevens, in particular PR sevens, I should add, here today. But should they exceed their two minutes, they will get the yellow and with that, the cheese. Then continuing to infringe will get them promoted to the red and they can lose the opportunity to participate in the next round. With all that being said, gentlemen, I once again remind you that you each had two minutes, and we're going to change up the order here today because a very rare opportunity has presented itself where Rob Haberschmidt will be the first to take the floor.
1: Thank you very much, Ty, and welcome uh, both Doug and Dave. We appreciate you guys coming back. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, And now my time can begin. Um, I, I, I... I, I think they're just like any new thing. There are obvious, um, you know, uh, wonderful outcomes, but there are some things that can um, be improved upon moving forward. I think overall it was a success in the sense that we would love to see a professional sevens um, tour happen in the United States because it's only going to cause uh, sevens in the United States and sevens players to become better and be more competitive and allow them a pathway to the national stage. And that's one of my major points. I think this event, at least in its first iteration, one of the advantages is it gives USA 7s an opportunity to have a look at players that maybe they were overlooked or missed or or maybe they were late developers. I mean, a uh, uh, guy on, on Dave's team, Tago, 30 points over the weekend. Um, I think he was the MVP. Uh, Just a phenomenal job. Um, You know, he's going to get a look now. And I think there's some other guys that that actually were um, selected by MLR teams that might get a look. Um, You know, Carm Consolino is another guy. He had a nice, nice weekend, too. Um, I I think that there is some other really good outcomes. was that uh, the level of play, I think, will increase both on the men's and women's side. And, of course, having the women out there, too, is a great thing, especially because that idea of equal pay continues to send an, an excellent message in the sporting landscape. If I had two criticisms, it would be, <laughs> number one, the feature guy, the guy that was on, like, TikTok or something destroying a guitar at one of the baseball games, Danny Barrett, for the TV viewer, we didn't get to see him at all in the broadcast and and while perry baker was featured obviously and dave knows this um danny barrett one of the stars was not featured at all we didn't get to see him didn't get to see him play at all and i think that was an unfortunate and one of the other niggling things we wanted this league to feature the players the names are on the back etc what happened by the two finals matches the the third place and the first place match Um, the numbers peeled off the names peeled off and you didn't even know who was who so uh again it's a picky thing but again when you're trying to feature some players and really get to you know
0: the people at home to know you know
1: who these guys are that's an important piece of the puzzle
0: right i like that so here's our first advertisement for what we do it's flashy it's shiny and it's peeling off (laughs) so yeah i mean like the glitz and the glamour it's like it's almost like a little bit of you could peek behind the curtain uh, and and that's what it is it's a great show right and when you see little things like that that kind of develop later and especially when that is the prime time viewing position which of course it was broadcast nationally fortunately enough a really great merit to them is that they got some great broadcast partners uh, at home in the u.s it was fox uh, fox sports 2 i should add and then in addition to that, they had, of course, coverage in uh, Canada with TSN. And I'm sure that uh, Doug will, will, will share, you know, kind of what those experiences are, what the viewpoint is in Canada as our, uh, our Canadian counterpart for the show. Um, but, you know, let's rewind and look at some of the points you spoke about there, Rob. And, and I'm going to give you two points straight off the bat, right? One, great exposure for players who might not necessarily have had the opportunity yet, but have the talent or at least the potential to be able to grow. So where's that next generation being identified PR sevens possibly. Right. So on top of that, you you spoke about uh, the coverage, the media coverage, and there was a lot of great media coverage, but you know, in hindsight, could they focus on some parts more than others, you know, with the concept of making the players relatable, giving them an identity that's easily recognized by those at home? The Bakers, you know, all of those names being spread across the back of those jerseys, um, you know, that could have translated very well into social media. And then also the the fan engagement being shared on on and the broadcast as much as it was on the social media. So just a few connecting parts uh, that could have made it all round really, really worked in their favor, driving home that fan experience and sharing it with those fans that are both new and old to the game that both enjoy it equally. So, yeah, great points and an opening rant from Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt. Uh, I think he reveled with the opportunity with an open field in front of him. He's never quite gotten the ball so early with a wide field open, and uh, he got some early points on the board. That being said, we need to bring up who's next is Doug Wilkie. Thanks Ty.
2: So from a Canadian perspective, there's a little bit of frustration here. We, here we are on a big, huge Saturday with uh, you know, Canada playing Chile and, and USA playing Uruguay. And then um, those games were behind a paywall on a, on a, on a, a pay website. And then we so have PR sevens who was being broadcast on TSN. Now, Typically, people do have to uh, pay for TSN, but it, it was um, it is more kind of like our national sports uh, sports channel that tends to show a lot of rugby in Canada. So there was a lot of frustration with that. And I would just like to see the numbers of how many people actually, no offense, but watch the PR7s because a lot of us were just focusing on the, the World Co- Cup qualification. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that didn't go so well. But uh, so... Um, you might have been better off watching the PR sevens then. <laughs> oh yeah, I should have. But as far as PR sevens is, is concerned, I mean, more professional rugby in North America. I, we can't complain about that. I will right. say it's sevens in Canada. I mean, we're already spreading our athletes. Then are we going to, are we going to run into issues if more people want to get involved in the PR sevens? So that's kind of uh, an aspect we're looking at. Um, but the fact that the women and, and, and Rob touched on this, but to me, this was the biggest selling point for me. The fact that the women have equal pay to the men, right? Um, I I coach women's high school rugby up here in Canada and uh, you know, to be able to say to them, there's a league where you get to actually get equal pay. This thing that this, this pie in the sky thing that people talk about could be a possibility. Well, it's actually going to be hopefully a possibility if this league is successful and carries over uh, into next year. And that's the other thing. This, it, it was very confusing that it was like this one off tournament. We had heard it was going to be this league, this series, and all of a sudden it's like, and it's just this, this one this year. So I'm really interested to see how uh, it, it carries over and, and uh, hopefully it can uh, pick up some success from
0: uh, where last weekend left off. Right. So let's take a look at some of the points that you brought up there. Building on some of Rob's points, it's worth mentioning again. Equal pay, equality in the sport, you know, and they're not only setting a trend for rugby, but for sporting uh, across the globe, right? And you always need one to kind of be the pioneer, the trendsetter, the trailblazers. And arguably so, PR7s is in the most fortunate position to be able to do that because they're starting from zero. They're building the foundations of what hopefully will become that professional league, as you pointed out, Doug. But to your credit, you also pointed out that, well, you know, have we have we kind of just compromised it a little bit? Are we still able to call it a league? You didn't quite say that, but a lot of fans online have alluded to the fact whether you can truly call this a league. It's a great pilot. It's a great event. And, of course, it is important to be able to have, but it's not quite yet elevated to the stature of being a league. And the plans for such would be to be able to build upon where they are now, where next year, as you mentioned, Doug, hopefully we will be able to see several stops, in what eventually will look like a league, uh, it is rumored to be somewhere in the ballpark of about six cities that are definitely uh, serious contenders to be hosts for this. And that si- those six cities should hopefully be spread across the country so they can engage all fans from all different areas you know, and, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. And as we learn more, we'll share more. Um, but I think that it's, you know, you, you brought us some great points. There's definitely some merits, but there's also some shortcomings that definitely could have been a little bit better. And I like that your, your approach there in your rant, Doug was very balanced. Um, so yeah, good round from, from Doug Wilkie and a final point though, on your, uh, TSN, uh, comment, while it certainly is technically a paid service, it's fair to assume that most people have that included in their in their broadcast packages that they have with their providers. So, yes, it's great to be able to have it on that platform, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a lot of engagement with it. So that was another point there. Let's hand it over to Dave Fee, the USA rugby guru, and on top of that, the man with a smug smile. Tell us why. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> a, a picture's worth a thousand words, so you know. Uh,
0: to, Champion to walk, feels good, right?
3: Yeah, to walk away, uh, you know, from the inaugural event. You know, th- there's only uh, a first one time, right? So, right so to walk away from this inaugural event, you know, it was a it was a special moment. I think it was there was a lot of positives. You know, got a chance to see it from the inside, from the field. Uh, a chance to work with you know excellent players, excellent coaches. Uh, you know, the the comments of the women's. Side and the parody is fantastic. I'm the father of a of of a seven year old competitive daughter, so to see that is you know absolutely fantastic. And and again, you know, I was working as an assistant to Justin Huntley, who's the Penn State men's coach. And on the women's side for the experts was Kate Daly, who's the women's coach for Penn State. So it was a it was a great opportunity to work with again a lot of men's coaches, a lot of women's coaches. In this league, we're all under the same owner. You know, Owen Scannell uh, is the owner of of the product. And, you know, all the teams, unlike the MLR, where we're competing against each other under different owners, uh, you know, here it's all under one owner. So we're all in this together. And, you know, to go into a city like Memphis, to inundate the city, Memphis inner city rugby, you know, having a really strong community impact in there. uh, The teams arrived in on Sunday, you know, got to walk around in, uh, you know, excellent samurai gear and we're in the coffee shops, we're in the restaurants, you know, we're all over Beale Street and, you know, really got a chance to promote the event and the facility there at AutoZone Park in Memphis was fantastic. Uh, as Rob mentioned, you know, come the final time, some of the numbers were, were falling off, but if you've been in Memphis, uh, you know, this time of year, it could be, it'd be a little warm and humid. And uh, you know, so, some of the, but by that point, you know, some of the stuff was falling off, but again, I thought it was a great event. And, you know, on my team personally, we had guys like two time player of the year, Perry Baker. Right. So, so I'm not right. going to say that there was a whole lot of coaching going on.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. coaching you, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and all for good reason too. And, and I'll accept that and, and take it all in. And um, so again, an opportunity to work with guys like that. And again, Logan Tago, I think is special. I think he could be the next superstar. He's got a little bit of Danny Barrett in him, uh, a little bit of Ben Pinkelman, and uh, you know, he can score tries too, as Rob mentioned and was the tournament MVP. And, you know, for some of the MLR teams that have these academies, you know, we had guys like Jake Klingsmith, who's with Utah, uh, Danny Thomas, who's with D.C., uh, Watson, Philly Tonga, who also is in the Utah program. So, again, it was a nice mix of guys who really are getting more professional minutes. Um, and then a nice supplement of, of Olympians like Perry Baker and uh, Naima Falau and, uh, and uh, Anthony Wellmers as well, too. Um, if, if you didn't get a chance to see the final, it was interesting because it was a tie. Uh, it was a tie. we went to. <laughs> right. Kickoff. Overtime then. Eh? So overtime kickoffs uh, was the decider. And again, that, uh, you know, I can't say that there's a whole lot of coaching in, in involved in, in any of that. So it, it was, it was a great opportunity to work alongside Justin Hundley, um, Mike Tolkien as the general manager. Uh, again, his name's on the ball. And uh, you know, I thought they did a, gr- a great thing, great product. I uh, haven't had a chance to see any of the broadcast, but one of your partners was there and Scott Ferrara, the big guy and, his comments to me on the field was that it, it looked great on TV. I came off the field and saw something on Facebook from Fox Sports with Perry Baker and, and Abby Gostaitis as well, too. So it did seem like there was a lot of promotion of the event. And, uh, and and if this was the first one, I don't think anyone walks away from it saying this was a bad event, that you know this isn't anything mm-hmm. that we shouldn't pursue forward with. As you mentioned, are there things that, that can be improved always? Um, but again, I thought it was a, a great first start and uh, something I was really happy to be a part of
0: right you know what i think that that was such a brilliant rant that i want to remind everybody that nobody knows what two minutes is here so all getting a yellow card (laughs) (laughs) but it was good right i mean obviously here's a guy that's there uh, boots on the ground for lack of a better term and for those of you who aren't aware and you're listening to dave talking about these players it's because he's there you know he was in a coaching role assisting one of the teams um the experts of course who made it all the way to the final. And, you know, again, the men and women were competing the same event, you know, they were equal footing. And so in the woman's case, the loonies came out on tops and, and the men's case, experts came out on top um but you know you couldn't ask for a better finish that when you get all the way to that final and especially if you're trying to be able to engage new fans to ask for a tighter finish than what it actually had like you can't script that better right dave (laughs) i mean mean, marty marty
3: esfo and kayvon williams versus perry baker and naima Flau and right right i mean you can't get any any better than that and colton coriaga you know coaching the loggerheads uh you know who we saw in the final there and Uh, yeah, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better, and you know, here, off off to the you know the eleventh hour, and we'll decide by kicks and under some pressure. Right. I mean, it's got product.
0: everything that you would hope from the first time around. Because there's your promotional uh, uh, promo video, right? We've got a rugby tainted product that is now not no longer a theory or no longer a prospect. It has delivered on its promise. Has that promise been mitigated? Have they had to adjust here and there? Absolutely. But who hasn't in the sporting culture? Right now, you know, and that's it's so important that while we may nitpick about is it a league, is it not a league? Some players had to, uh, to pull out because of whatever reason, injuries or your schedules, yes. Does that stuff happen? Absolutely. Is it unique to rugby? No.
3: If I can also add in Calvin Gentry, yeah. a young kid from you know the Memphis inner city program who got to showcase his sal- talents and and, and, right. and, hey, what, what does Perry Baker do to, to make him Perry Baker, right? And
0: Right, right. And Perry Baker is not going to be around forever, right? So where's that next generation being identified? Uh, events just like this. And, you know, I'll throw in this point, and I'm sure somebody else would have brought it up. So, uh, you know, it, it's a freebie. You're all getting one extra point. But uh, so like the MLR was initially criticized for its idea, its concept, its model, all of the things, right? Because it was also coming off the back of, uh, of pro rugby. So there was a little bit of cynicism about it. And there always is, when something is new to the American rugby landscape, there's always a part of your community that will be the cynics. That's just the way it is. I don't know why. I don't pretend it isn't different. I just know that, that it's out there. But here is a proven concept. And just like the MLR, which provided more professional rugby at that level for them, which provided more competition, which will help them to grow, if we see the same from PR7s, there's only an upside for the rugby community, right?
1: You know, absolutely. And I want to jump in here. I remember if we, if we wheeled back one year, we were talking about the Bermuda 10s in much the same vein right. as we're talking about the PR7s. Except, if you also recall, I had said that the Bermuda 10s, I was worried about being the flash in a pan. And it Mm -hmm. seems that, yeah, I'm right. I don't think PR7s is going to be in the same vein. Do they have some things to improve upon and tweak? Yes. But I think inclusion of the women's game, like, calling up to the folks up north, Delaney Atkins? Oh, man. Did she have a great weekend? She was an MVP on the women's side Rugby Canada, just the wheels on her. Really nice tackle at the end to save a try. Um, You know, I was very impressed by that. And providing that balance, men's, women's, um, is an awesome opportunity. And it also invests in a game that's already existing in the North American landscape. Especially because it's a pathway to the Olympic, um, you know, platform. Right. Right. Players can work themselves into, you know, Rugby Canada, rug, uh, USA Rugby Sevens, and find their way in that way. And, yeah, by the way, the other thing I liked about it, as I said before, some players that are in the MLR really got a chance to shine. Patrick Madden played on the loggerheads, had a nice try there at the end. Um, and, I mean, if you saw his footwork, go back and watch it. I think it's going to be on Fox Sports 2 again tomorrow. He really, really looked good. And it was good to see guys like that right. got an opportunity to play in a race. Well, that
3: that is is is,
0: no, sorry, continue, Dave.
3: I was going to say, well, that is one of the things you know that you know Owen is implementing from the league standpoint is that it is all North American players, right? None. none yeah. There were no internationals, you know, in the in this tournament. It was an opportunity for North American players. Uh, we had Noah Bain in our squad, you know, to highlight themselves. So you know, very specific, you know, from the league in terms of, you know, taking a stand on that and, you know, giving this an opportunity to highlight uh, North American players.
0: Right. That being said, I think it would have been very difficult for them to be able to employ overseas players with the restrictions still. But like you said, it's still a great opportunity for, for local players. And, you know, you would see a lot of crossover with with guys who are, are, are staples in the MLR community playing there. So they've kind of had an ability. I mean, as a rugby player, your challenge was to be able to first get a paycheck, to get paid to what you wanted yeah. to do, right? Then how often were you going to get that paycheck? And was it a fair paycheck too? You know, all these questions that oh, I feel like PR Simmons, while they're not answering all of these questions, are certainly help helping that rugby community solidify itself because MLR players now are getting closer and closer with each new event added to the calendar of getting a 10 month a year contract. Well, playing around nearly 10 months of the year, there might be, you know, a fraction of the time, which is usually December and January where they're not playing and that's okay. But, you know, and that's now starting to, to rival many other more established nations in rugby that we can have more full-time rugby players for more, of the year. And PR sevens is not the uh, the only answer, but it's helping that Rob, you wanted to add something. Yeah, yeah. Like and I, and I forgot
1: to mention, um, how about, um, uh, cat, uh, Roach actually right. officiating, yeah. the Female Officiator. you know, mm-hmm. that was great to see too. Again, tipping a hand towards equality, inclusion, uh, all the values that we always talk about as a rugby community being demonstrated down there in Memphis this last weekend.
2: I personally right. love, will will really look forward to see if this continues on next year and has some success. Just being a built-in um, testing ground for our our Canadian and, and American uh, sevens teams, yeah. um, you know, it can only be great for them. Like they're probably salivating. This is this is we don't have to pay much money and we can go watch all these athletes and and see see what uh, some of these people have. You know, it's it's going to be awesome for. Uh, for the, for the national
0: seven teams, I think. Right. I'm going to throw one back at you, though, quickly here, Doug, and then I want to get the opinion of the others. So you mentioned that, you know, Canada, in the predicament that it is, doesn't have as large a player pool as, of course, the U.S. does. Geographically, it's very different, and also the numbers that are registered players. So do you think that this could impact you? I mean, do you see it as being a good thing or do you see it as being potentially uh, draining that player pool as well? Um, you know, I know you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, it's, it's a very tough topic. There's a
2: lot of uh, conversation up here in Canada about the fact that where should we put our money because we're really we're we don't have that many people up here playing rugby and right where should that where should the money go? Should it go to something like the sevens program where we've had a little bit more success, both in the in the male mm-hmm. and female section? Or do we continue trying to slug it out within the men's 15s and the, a lot of the money right. going to them? So it's it's a That's really a uh, it's a really contentious thing. I just think the more people playing rugby
0: and getting paid to play rugby, I just think it can't it can't hurt. Right. I'm going to throw this one at at Dave here. On that note, a springboard opportunity from Doug. The more people playing rugby, the more people watching rugby is important. Is it as important as to which code they're introduced to first? You know, we've had this debate in different forms. Some people say sevens is the greatest form to introduce rugby to America. Others say, well, maybe more of a traditionalist mind, 15s is the way to go because that's the pinnacle of the game. That's the Rugby World Cup winner, right? That's the game that most people are introduced to around the globe before they adopt sevens. But we're not there. We're in the U.S. What's your thought about sevens versus 15s?
3: I think the skills are transferable. I, I think, you know, you're you're in Iowa there. I think there's been a lot of yep. guys that have come out of the Iowa system where they're introduced in high school, which is just sevens, and then they may go out to the university system and play fifteens. The way the game's developing now with, you know, forwards kicking and, and the amount of meters that are being, you know, asked uh, for guys to carry, I think sevens is a great way and, you know, also a great way to, to bring in a crossover athlete. I mean, you look at a guy like mm-hmm. David Bill who's now, you know, has had some experience in into Chula Vista and with our sevens team, you know, has come out of that Glendale crossover program. And, right. uh, gee, you know, uh, lack of rugby knowledge, I mean, you could say what you want, but I've, I stood next to him, and it would make for a really long day just trying to catch him and tackle him and, and go around him. And so I, I think if we're bringing that level of athlete into the game, it, it's only a positive. I think everyone mm-hmm. would say we need more depth. Um, so I don't know that, you know, not that all of these guys are going to make it on the circuit and that's okay. Um, but again, it's an opportunity to really test themselves and put their hand up and at least get that challenging opportunity. So I don't right. think there's anything wrong with, with sevens being that breeding ground. Um, you know, personally,
0: you know, right. You know, and I, and I, I agree with you, you I know, and, perfect, you know, who cares what the entry point is for a new player as long as we're introducing new players because we need to continue broadening um, our player pool and then from there eventually building more depth it's going to take time but again to my earlier point PR7s while it's not the answer is certainly helping contributing to finding that answer of how do we attract more people to the game and I think that they're an excellent model and um, you know they taken a little bit from hpc uh, sevens they've taken a little bit from their experience in the 2018 uh, uh world cup in san francisco and they've they've been realistic with what they wanted to achieve right and i like that too um because you know one event now could be the springboard to many others and we hopefully we'll see that in the near future rob you want to be able to give us your final thoughts
1: yeah, I, I I love that. I hope it grows. I mean, uh, I would love to see a, a a stint, you know, next year, one of the cities be in Chicago, so I could come, you know, right here in the city that I live in, and come, you know, sit and enjoy some excellent sevens, see, see some Olympians compete in a world stage, and of course, I always love to see opportunities for more guys to develop the rugby skill. And again, I think this is an avenue for them to do that. We saw that with some of, the, some of the young guys that came on the scene and were able to get some meaningful minutes with
0: teams. Fantastic. So all around, it seems that everybody believes that the PR7s, at least in its first round, it's inaugural event, was certainly a success. And based upon that success, we hope to be able to see more of it in the coming fall season where it has identified itself, we believe, to be about six events. Hopefully we see even more if they can fit it in, but it's most likely going to be a six- to eight-week window in the fall. Uh, We'll see if that happens to change. We on the Rugby Rant will continue to stay in touch with those communities there building rugby and, of course, sharing it with the general rugby public because that's what we do here on the Rugby Rant is aim to be able to grow rugby one at a time and you can continue to enjoy content from us each and every week by following us under the handle at rugby rant pod or continue to enjoy us at our home on the rugby network each and every friday where you see this episode and many more rugby debates coming your way each and every week and like each and every week we have to be able to crown a winner of the rant so who's it gonna be gentlemen Rob came out hot with an open field ahead of him, ran and scored some early points. Didn't have much opposition at that time. And then Doug Wilkie came (laughs) along to be able to uh, share a few thoughts from Canada. We don't care. and uh, (laughs) 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 That's just not right, Doug. Not right at all. (laughs) No love here, but love in general but uh dave fee with the smug smile got his silverware already so i'm not giving him more that leaves mr rob <laughs> hamishman as <laughs> the winner yeah here we go <laughs> on, so boy, i think baby. that I that it. uh that means that uh you know, are is it two in a row now then rob are you at the beginning of a streak uh, yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a bit of a hot streak that's right all right so Just... to scott's defense he says you only win when he's not here Well, if you don't participate, you can't win. True, 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 right? True, true, true. Uh, So for those of you that are familiar with the Rugby Rant, we like to be able to make sure that we give our guests an opportunity to send a shout out. And as much as we love enjoying teasing Doug, he truly is one of those great fans out there that's giving back to rugby in many different forms, one of which is how he is an admin continuing to be able to grow the sport online, a social presence, and connect people online through the Toronto Arrows group. I know that you personally some me do a lot of work with them, among others. However, do you have a shout-out for anybody else right now, Doug? Yeah, I just want to say I
2: can't wait to uh, see a bunch of people at the this weekend's Rugby Rally. Our uh, our Toronto Arrows, um, not our full team, obviously, but uh, a good chunk of them are playing uh, an East Coast uh, uh, representative team. And it's the first time we're going to have a, see the Arrows at home in – I don't know, 500 and some odd days or something yeah. like that. So yeah, um, it's a long time. Yeah. So I'm bringing the whole family down. We're taking the train down to Toronto and it's going to make a day of it. And, and I'm looking forward to finally seeing some of these, uh, these people that I've been working with Karen and, and some other people face to face and sharing a beer. So
0: can't wait. Right. And, I mean,
1: and that's and, it. Do, do, do us a favor dog in all seriousness. Thank the gentleman from the Toronto arrows for sucking it up last year and, uh, it, I mean, taking a huge, huge leap for the rest of the league uh, to continue its success and moving down to Atlanta. I mean, that was a serious sacrifice, and those boys and everybody involved with the Arrows deserves a... Uh, uh, you know, three.
0: Cheers. I think
2: they're they're going to get a big standing ovation. That's for yeah. sure. This they weekend, deserve it.
0: So, yeah. Oh, sure. absolutely. Thanks. You know, and a credit to the organization, the fans. Uh, the, every every step of the way, people were involved in supporting them. Um, but the Toronto fans have to be among the greatest in the league, though. As as a result, you know, so it's a great homecoming. I I think that it's going to be a wonderful weekend. And thank you for reminding us. Um, now, out of curiosity, is there any way for people to be able to view that match?
2: That hasn't been announced yet. I, I'm hoping, but hopefully everybody in Toronto. Hopefully everybody comes out. Hopefully we pack right. York University Stadium and and uh, whatnot. But. I have a feeling they may try to stream some of it, and if so, Hopefully I'll so, sure. because, I'll just, you know, sure.
0: Arrows have done a pretty good job of that in the yeah. past, and yep. maybe by the time this airs, it's coming Friday while we're filming on the Monday, we would know that information. And if you wanted to be able to learn where you can get that news from, just go and check them out on Facebook. And on the Toronto Arrows, Arrows Up fan group, uh, it's definitely one of the largest and most active groups online for rugby fans, regardless where you may be from. They share a lot of good information. So, again, Doug, thank you for that. And uh, we hand it over to Dave Fee because uh, you, of course, have probably plenty of shout outs from this last weekend. So (laughs) let's give you the opportunity.
3: (laughs) Well, I think if if that's the case, I should definitely start with my wife because uh, I was in Glendale, Colorado with the academy team for a week prior to Memphis. And then was in Memphis for the week with the PR7. So I'll start there. You know, with a shout out to my wife who continues to all the
0: rugby widows out there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But but again, you know, a, a thanks to Mike Tolkien and you know Owen Scannell, you know, for giving me the opportunity to, to coach alongside Justin Hundley and the guys down in Memphis, and um, you know, guys like Perry Baker to you know accept me into the group and and learn from him, you know, along the way too. So so shout out to all the uh, all the experts uh, out there, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll be back, you know, next year to defend our title.
0: Fantastic. Love it. And, and you can continue to be able to love rugby coffee because of course these are one of the guys that are certainly helping to give back to the rugby community they do so in a very easy way that is easy for you to enjoy grab a cup of coffee from rugby coffee and uh, enjoy your next rugby day on the couch watching whatever matchup it may be with this in hand knowing that 10% of each sale will go towards building youth programs across the US and Canada what more of a reason do you need to enjoy Rugby Coffee. Uh, the one I hold in this hand here is a darker roast, Jouet Jouet uh, French blend. It's all actually North American blends, but it's definitely got a French flair to it. And this over here is the crowd favorite. A lot more mild, less bold flavor, but just as enjoyable. Uh, and this is that one that I grab in the morning when I need that afternoon and pick me up. This is the one that I go for a little bit bolder uh, to give me that little bit of an extra boost. So again, go and check out rugbycoffee.com .com and make sure that you grab some of your own because 10% of Each of their sales will go towards growing youth rugby across the nation. They have been a great partner to us. They have been a great partner to rugby. And you can continue to help them by going to check them out online. Because we and they continue to be able to help rugby in the ways that we know how. And that's with your help as the rugby fan. And you can continue to follow us each and every week. Give us a like, subscribe, follow. Do all the things you know you can do to give us some good juju and some good love. uh, Because we continue to share this in the hope that we continue to grow rugby one fan at a time. You have been watching another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. On behalf of myself, Ty Braga, the host for today's activities, Rob Hammerschmidt, Doug Wilkie, and Dave Fee, we thank you for watching, and we will see you at the next and welcome back rugby fans of course to the rugby debate show we put ourselves and our guests to the test here on the rugby rant podcast show my name again a quick reminder is ty braga i have three gentlemen here who are battling against one another for top honors as is the usual format each and every week we got rob hamishman doug wilkie and davey uh on this occasion gentlemen I think we've got a really good cast and we've got a really good topic here because we're going to be talking about USA Rugby and Rugby Canada. But more specifically, we've got a lot of people online who have been driving us forward towards this question. So we're just going to tackle it head on in this conversation with that ultimate question, is North American rugby in trouble based on the Rugby World Cup qualifiers we have recently seen? And for those of you who are not familiar, a quick recap. The Rugby World Cup qualifiers of 2023 for the upcoming World Cup in France have recently taken place, and it's usually over two legs, the first leg at home and second away. Traditionally, teams have a tendency to do better at home, which we've seen time and time again. USA, first up, against Uruguay in Glendale, Was exactly that. They had a pretty good lead, but they let it slip by the end and only going to Montevideo with a three-point advantage, very slim. Rob Hammersmith spoke about this being too small a margin to be able to have as an advantage. Could you even recognize it as an advantage when you're going down into hostile territory down in Uruguay in Montevideo, which Dave himself has had the privilege to be able to be on fields that far afield and as a result, can tell you it's quite a hostile territory to be able to play rugby. It was always going to be tough. And that's what happened for them as this past week revealed glaringly obvious challenges ahead for USA rugby with a final scoreline of 34 to 15 in that single matchup. And on aggregate, that meant that Uruguay went ahead into Pool A where they advanced forward and, of course, secured their spot for the next Rugby World Cup alongside New Zealand, Italy, and I believe, uh, is it France. France themselves, the host? That's right, with one more spot still to be announced in Pool A. So then we have to be able to address Rugby Canada's pathway. Well, that began with their first win looking quite promising in St. John's against the USA. Um, However, it surely fell short in that second round is when they met them in uh, Glendale. They fell short on that occasion. That meant that their pathway was always going to be a little bit longer and they then had to take on Chile in Valparaiso, um, which unfortunately ended up being a loss 33-24, to the final scoreline. And with that, The first time in history that we will not see a Rugby Canada side compete in a Rugby World Cup. A sad day for North American rugby. And while uh, (laughs) USA Rugby certainly has some opportunity to move forward, they have to pass through Chile to do so. And with that all being said, we're going to hand it around the table here to hear their general thoughts. Again, the question we ask, is North American rugby in trouble Based on these recent results, and we're going to start this round off with Dave Fee. So, Dave, tell us what you think.
3: Yeah, are we in trouble? You know, I don't want to go that far, but but was it disappointing? Without a doubt, you know, coming, you know, all all, all throughout it, it's kind of been which Eagles team is going to show up, right? You mentioned the first uh, game up there in St. John, which was disappointing, only to see him bounce back, you know, on September 11th there in Glendale with, with a big win. Right, uh, they started strong against Uruguay here, and then you know in the second half allowed Uruguay to cut that 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 score down. And you know going down to Uruguay, we always knew it was going to be a tough place to play. As you mentioned, I've been down there; it's an incredibly hostile environment. They make it they make it really loud. They make it a tough place to play. And you know when you look at some of the stats, I didn't get a chance to see the game, but but it sounds like they outworked us. Um, you know we, we lost, I believe, seven rucks in the game. Um, and, and I think that shows kind of in that performance line, you know, missing key players like AJ McGinty, I think do make a big difference. Uh, Hanco had a great game there in Glendale, wasn't available to, you know, down in Montevideo. So again, I think, you know, there was opportunities for guys to step up. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, we just didn't get it done, but it was going to be a tough ask. It was going to be a tough challenge. Um, are we in trouble? Don't want to go that far. We still have an opportunity through Chile and, you know, I've had to go through the repetrage myself and, uh, you know, gotten to that World Cup. So, you know, however we have to get there, nothing in America has ever been easy for us. So here's just another example. Um, you know, I, I feel for, for Doug and the Canadians up there to not qualify. Um, I know guys that, have, that missed that opportunity uh, back in 95. So, so I know it's a very disappointing thing. But, but as you look at the games overall, You know, Uruguay outworked us. Um, You got to put their hand up and and say, "Hey, they they did a great job. They made, they did, they did what they had to do to, uh, you know, keep it tight here, and then go make up the point differential at home." And that's what they did. So, kudos to them. You know, good luck to them as as they go on to France. And you know, for our boys, it's going to be a gut check and a, a look in the mirror. And hopefully, we can get guys like AJ back that I do think make a big difference.
0: Right, and certainly the experience of A.J. McGinty, and for those of you who aren't familiar, you know there's a great example of some players who are consistently playing at the highest levels of the game, uh, but they're doing so overseas, right? Um, for him, it's, say, all the Sharks, and you could think of, an, uh, uh, you know, the fr- whole front row is actually playing um, in, in Europe, I believe. So there are great examples, and, yes, when you don't have your first team, you're going to hope that others step up and they take on that challenge and they shine that's not what we saw this past week, but it's, you have to look at the traditional areas that we've, On this show, certainly said it a few times with USA, some of their traditional strengths was in the scrum. Some of it was, we said, in the lineups. And then we also said the rolling mall. These are, I feel, areas that Uruguay themselves consider themselves strong in. So there's almost pound for pound matching each other. So when you take that away, what else do we have, right? And that's an interesting question that certainly was not answered with a 34-15 scoreline. Let's hand it over to Doug Wilkie. So just to touch on the USA game, when, when Canada
2: plays USA, who are the three players that I personally, as a rugby fan, am the most afraid of? Mikey Tao, Hanko O'Hermish and A.J. McGinty. Those are three players that I do not yeah. want to see lining up on the other side of the field. So missing those guys, I, I think that was huge uh, for you guys. Uh, Uruguay Uruguay has been on the up and up and and we've Canada (laughs) Canada that we've passed them and they've been like hi see ya and we're um they they were always going to be tough so I don't no matter how much anybody says look at what they did at the last World Cup
0: right beating I think Fiji right Fiji right exactly and that was off the back of a really good game that they nearly won against Australia
2: and seeing some of their players, Manuel Diana, their number eight, uh, who's an arrows player, he is he is a fabulous player. He's he's a tough, hard nosed player. So um, the good news for you guys is you still have two chances. You still, I think, I think you can put it together with the with the, the film you have on on uh, Chile. They're they're not they're not going to throw anything. They're just going to be dirty. They're just going to play hard, and you just got to weather the storm. And I think I think you'll be successful. But even if that doesn't happen. Um you still have the reperage, which uh, you know that's great. but Canada right. we're out. so um we were missing a bunch of players too, but uh, you, like you like Dave said, you kind of got to play with with who you got and uh, unfortunately our guys didn't step up either. the shining the 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 silver lining thank you. <laughs> the silver lining for me was that it, it was a pretty young team that we put out there. so right you know this isn't this wasn't our time maybe it's a good time for us to to rebuild do some self reflection look at uh, at the the whole the Rugby Canada as a whole and and the management and everything
0: and and kind of look and see what right. we're doing. Is and, that your general feeling, though, after this? Because much of, of um, Canadian fans, I imagine, feels very similar. Is that like, you know, we're always saying next time, next time, next well, time. And usually there is another next time. But this time there isn't a next World Cup, right? To have to qualify in the last World Cup through the reprochage and have
2: to sit through that to now right. not even making it at all. We're totally are, are out. And, and the fact that two years ago, we beat this Chilean team by over 50 points. 50 and to now points. By over 50 points down in Chile. And to come back and have this type of a, of a, of a game, it's it's been a huge disappointment and something that it's going to
0: be uh, – it's a hard pill to swallow, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, where Canada stands at the moment at the end of this is still, I believe – uh, so they've dropped from 21 in the world rankings down to 23, which I believe is, if it's not the lowest rank, it's definitely very close to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Canada obviously does have a lot to be able to look at. Um, and so does the USA. I'm not piss-picking on Canada, but, you know, you're our resident Canadian here. So let's focus on that just for a second. Yes, there's a lot of great talent, but it's all just, you know, the infrastructure points towards the fact that if you're not playing for the arrows, you're not getting enough game time, right? Because they're the ones that are consistently doing it. They're the ones, but then you would also say, well, doesn't that mean they have great consistency in that team? You know, shouldn't they have a lot of carryover, some consistently moving into the, up to the national side? Cause they're all basically, I mean, what is it? 12 arrows on the Canadian roster. There must be some continuity. I personally I, when I saw that first game against the USA in St. John's, I was like, man, this is why the Toronto Arrows do what they do. They keep everybody together. They hire like local. They build their players because it translates well upward to the national side. And and even though they, it didn't follow through in the next matchup, I still felt like confident that they were going to go down to South America and they were going to get the job done. So it was surprising to a lot of fans.
2: It was surprising, and and I would have liked to have seen that you know turn out on the field a little bit more than it did. And unfortunately, we kind of fell flat on our face. We just didn't play any of the dynamic rugby that you saw in in Saint John's. In Saint right. John's, we, we
0: didn't we barely knocked the ball on,
2: and uh, the
0: last- right. It looked way more clinical than I'd seen from them. And 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 to the credit you know, for 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 Canada, they made the USA look quite silly in that match. You know, simple errors, things like that. Now, it was a different story when they got to Glendale, uh, but that's the home in the way story. So, yeah, it's relevant. And you know what? I appreciate your honesty. It's, uh, it's a disappointment. Sure. Yeah, it's a disappointment. There's no way to be able to look at it. Um, and we do hope to be able to, you know, like we don't as American fans. We never, ever ill wish uh, a, a Canadian uh, a team um we we respect each other as brothers we want them to be successful we want north american rugby to be successful and we hope that it will certainly find its feet again in the coming years let's go ahead and share uh the opportunity to rob to tell us what he thinks
1: yeah watching a lot of the chatter online it was definitely negative um uh, regarding north american rugby that is and i think i needed to think of uh, take a step back and put it in perspective I think a lot of fans in North America thought, okay, we're the four years into going on our fifth year of Major League Rugby, the Pro Rugby, domestic rugby. We now have our roster, at least in the United States, everyone in our roster is playing professionally. You don't have any amateurism anymore, and we should be, you know, have this huge projection upwards. But I think we need to put on the brakes and realize that it's it's not going to be that simple. That the MLR, while it helps our national team at some level, there's a lot of hard work to be done yet in order for us to progress nationally, and I'm sure the same can be said about Rugby Canada. Um, Again, I think you hit the nail on that. Some of the things that we normally do are met head-on by the Uruguayans. Um, I thought they looked dangerous early, um, and they just missed opportunities. What I... what I said last week still holds true. We've got to be careful of the penalties, and I think you mm-hmm. saw penalties like at the mid part of of uh, the first half. Uh, they put them. so They were up seven three. They got two penalties. All of a sudden, they go into the sheds. I think they were up um, in the first half. Um, they were up uh, uh, thirteen to uh, thirteen to eight, right? And then we have a letdown on their defense. They put in a try. Mira as a Toronto Arrow. Nice individual Mm -hmm. try, and now all of a sudden, we're 20-8 to down in Montevideo, and that was going to be a tough ask. I don't care how you cut the cake. Um, It was just going to be a tough environment to play in. Disappointing, yes, but we have a lot of hard work to do, and it was never going
0: to be easy. We just got to slog it out. Right. So here's the funny thing. And I I think we, we spoke about it before we actually started filming. And now I've had time to be able to kind of re- think about this again. So looking at the pathway, and for those of you who aren't familiar, you might be watching at home, the Rugby World Cup qualifiers can seem quite confusing, but in its simplest form, it's a home and away leg, and the winner will be decided by the aggregate score. So if you, you lose the first matchup, uh, that's okay because you might win the next one by a nice amount of scoreline uh, score line that it might even cover the points that you lost in the first one. So it's on aggregate. Now we'll travel as USA to have that opportunity for that final spot available by its normal pathway in pool D. Now pool D is currently uh, going to be shared with England, Japan, Argentina, and Samoa. So Whoever fills that America's two spot will be the fifth partner in that pool closing out that group. Now, when you look at the merits of that in comparison to pool A, and I remind our viewers, that is New Zealand, France, Italy, and now Uruguay, arguably so, the pool D group might even be more advantageous for the U.S., who I think could probably have an opportunity to be able to take on Samoa Argentina, Japan, and England, obviously very different uh, uh, caliber. There are all those those established teams playing at a much higher level. But when they play each other, you're going to see a lot of mix-ups. You're going to see some surprises there. So it could actually end up being a really interesting pool for the U.S. to be in. But, of course, any pool that they end up in would be challenging. We're not trying to suggest that they have the ability to win this pool now, but – it does mean that it'll be an interesting matchups there. So we hope they find their way to America's two by beating Chile in two over two rounds, uh, which will be coming up in a few months. It's not in the near future. So luckily enough, teams will have the opportunity to uh, review a lot of tape to be able to uh, prepare and to be able to rest themselves now and kind of gather their thoughts moving into those final rounds. Dave, you raised your hand. Did you want to be able to add a couple of thoughts on top of <laughs> yeah,
3: that? Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to disagree with the host there, but um, you know, I
0: thought... Oh, well, we're out of time at the moment. Um- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but,
3: but for the first time ever, I thought looking at that first pool, you know, depending on if the if the right USA team showed up, we had a chance to win two World Cup games, right? I, I, I thought okay, yeah. it a winnable game, and then You know, could we knock off in Italy, right? Um, You know, I think on the right day, I think that's definitely you know up for possibility. And then you know, you you look at the next World Cup qualification coming out of that with two pool play wins potentially. So um, Mm -hmm. you know, you never never want to back in. I I do see Samoa as a winnable game as well in that other pool. But man, is
2: is, is Namibia the other team in Pool A there? So it it hasn't yet been decided, but it it typically it's it's the African number one team,
0: right? Right. Uh, if you look at past World Cups, it's usually going to be Namibia that is that next Africa one.
1: Only other country that would contend for it is like Kenya, but their 15s program isn't near what their 7s program is, so I don't see that as yeah.
2: I I agree with Dave. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're playing New Zealand, and but but yeah, right. I think I think that pool A,
0: yeah, a debate for another day, gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't it be interesting though? I mean, let's face it. Uh, Japan has played well as of late, um, but have they played well because they've imported some players that have qualified um, as Japanese nationals, uh, but have come from well, by New Zealand?
0: of their 35-man squad were not Japanese-born in the right. 2019 you know, Rugby World Cup, and and so. have they developed that next level to
1: you know a players to compete? By 2023, yeah. I don't well, know. they just I mean, introduced
0: like- a new ref- uh, restructuring of their professional leagues. Um, but with that, they just they're bringing in a lot of hired guns, right? And now more at their peak. So yeah, it's an interesting point. And also, we can't take away the importance of that they were at home. So you you've mm-hmm. got that extra man feeling on the field, you know, um, that's very powerful. Everything was geared towards them. It was there, you know, for that time they were precedent in everything uh, in Japanese culture. And yes, it was embraced as a result. Will they have the same impact when they're playing in France? Who knows? Will it be the same team? I don't know. I personally think that there will be opportunities uh, to be able to to for them to up the surprise some, and also to disappoint some. So yeah, I mean Samoa and Japan are, are, are the ones that I think that that America could pull off a win. And yes, even though they played a much much weaker England in the July test, the USA, uh, they still sh- still managed to be able to show that they could go to English soil. In Europe and perform really well, and the scoreline was not embarrassing. It was a lot closer than a lot of people thought. Now the Irish game was a different story. Um, so America has proven that they can't win twice in a row. If anything, um. <laughs> I think I think Dave mentioned it's a lack of consistency, right? I mean, right. You know, it's ups. And yeah, downs. and that's that's the one find thing. You got to consistent gonna... level of play. If you're going to be successful at the highest levels of the game you have to be consistent, right? One win, one loss, one win, one loss gets you at best a 50% win ratio, right? You're 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 not building great legacies on a 50% win win ratio. I think this this has done a
2: good job of showing that South America is here to play and if anything it's put, you know, world world rugby on notice like the the, uh, the um African winner automatically gets to go to the World Cup. Well, the, the South American winner doesn't automatically get to right. go, so you know, maybe it's that's it's a fair a point. We, you know? we need to have some more, more,
0: more teams even into the World Cup, right? And so, and this is another point that I thought might have come up earlier, but you just allowed me the opportunity to be able to bring it up here South America. Like, um, like MLR has provided more competition for players and elevated their level of amateur to professionalism from almost all the players. If not all players, I think there's not a single amateur in anywhere in the USA squads, right? Maybe for Canada, I think there's, there's a couple, a handful. Um, but for the USA, everybody's a professional to the best of my, in my memory. But, you know, South America has typically been quite far away from that. But with, the, with the, now the inclusion of the slaw con- contest, you know, is it a question that the MLR has not provided as much value as we think it has? Or is the other side of that conversation, has the SLA now uh, bridged the gap between them, that has allowed Chile to field a mostly professional side for the first time in their history, that allows them to be more competitive. That have a ton of them playing question. together in a way, like the arrows in a way, right? Um, but all those, a lot of those
2: Chilean players are playing together in Slar, so that it's it is huge, and and that in a way is a good argument for USA to say, no, wait, let's not hit the panic button. We, right. we are building something. This here. is we not have... the
0: same level of competition that we played them against you know, two years ago. What did you say it was? Like two years ago, you put 50 points on, on, on Chile as Rugby Canada, right? It's yeah. clearly not the same team. And it's the same conversation we had when USA took on England. And they said, this is not the same USA that you trounced how many times before? Because this is the first time that MLR – oh, sorry, that they've been able to play – Consistently, because of MLR, and as a result, you have a more professional product out there in the field, right? I, I think yeah. it, and this is a conversation perhaps for another
1: day. I don't think the question is about MLR. The MLR is going in the right trajectory. I think we need to we need to ask questions of USAR.
0: Right. Sorry, sorry. And again, definitely a question for another day, Rob, um, but a relevant one. And if you as a rugby fan at home think that it's a worthwhile topic, make sure that you drop a comment down below and let us know what you want us to be able to rant about as we do each and every week here on the Rugby Rant Podcast show. where We put ourselves and our guests to the test and we have to crown a winner as per usual in this rant. It's a super tough one, though. Um, because there's merits in every corner, um, everybody brought something to the table here. Um, so uh, I don't know. Can I call a draw? Uh, I think it was pretty equal contribution from everybody. You know what? No, I'm going to give myself the win. <laughs> just throw in the wild card because it's all it's all just random. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's hey, a lot you of... You set a effect. bad
1: precedence moving forward because if uh, you ever have to step out again for whatever and Scott steps into your shoes, he'll just award himself the win. <laughs> oh, no. Geez,
0: I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. I've opened up a can of worms. All right. I take it back. I'm disqualified. I give myself the red. <laughs> <laughs> no, gentlemen, it really was was good. And uh, we dived into it a little bit deeper than I initially thought we might, though, um, but, you know, once you start peeling back the layers and you kind of get to really understand there's so many factors where we are right now. Um, but I want to go right back to the earliest comment from Dave and the question that framed this conversation is North American rugby in trouble? On the basis of that question alone, um, I, I, you know, and borrowing a phrase from from Rob, and Dave certainly said that it's not you know, we're not in trouble, but do we have work to do? Absolutely. Borrowing a phrase from Rob, it's not time to hit the panic button either. Uh, Doug, of course, while disappointed as a Rugby Canada fan, has great faith that there's, of course, uh, an opportunity to learn here and that's really what we're doing. We're still a young nation in rugby. Uh, We still have a lot to be able to grow. Um, We're still on track to be able to meet the measurement of success, which is to make it to the next Rugby World Cup for the USA and Rugby Canada will continue building on on their on their existing uh, domestic rugby and hopefully they'll have new partners to join them in the future that'll continue adding to a quality rugby pool uh, which they can now have six years to be able to build upon uh, leaning forward towards that 2027 who knows it might even be a joint bid between Rugby Canada and USA rugby at that stage and if it's not that we certainly hope it's going to be 2031 so with all that being said here on the rugby rant let us know what you think about it tell us what you think. Are we way off base? Are we right on the money? You can tell us by dropping a comment down below and following us online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. For more great content each and every week, follow us online on all our social media accounts. Again, under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. On behalf of the team here, And, of course, myself, we thank you very much for watching. My name is Ty Brog on behalf of Rob the Hammer, Hammer Schmidt, Doug Wilkie from the Toronto Arrows fans group, and, of course, Dave Fee, the eternal servant to rugby across North America, in particular rugby in America itself. Thank you all for joining us, and thank you at home for watching, and we will see you at the next.